Chapter Twelve of The Absentee by Maria Edgeworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. All were asleep at the cottage when Lord Colambre arrived, except the widow, who was sitting up waiting for him, and who had brought her dog into the house that he might not fly at him or bark at his return. She had a roast chicken ready for her guest, and it was, but this she never told him, the only chicken she had left. All the others had been sent with the duty fowl as a present to the under-agent's lady. While he was eating his supper, which he ate with the better appetite as he had had no dinner, the good woman took down from the shelf a pocket-book, which she gave him. "'Is not that your book?' said she. "'My boy Brian found it after you in the potato-furrow, where you dropped it.' thank you said lord colambre there are banknotes in it which i could not afford to lose are there said she he never opened it nor i then in answer to his inquiries about grace and the young man the widow answered they are all in heart now i thank ye kindly sir for askin they'll sleep easy to-night anyway and i'm in great spirits for them and myself for all's smooth now after we parted you brian saw mr dennis himself about the lace and memorandum which he never denied but knew nothing about but be that as it may says he your improvin tenants and i'm confident my brother will consider ye so what you'll do is you'll give up the possession to-morrow to myself that will call for it by cock-crow just for form's sake and then go up to the castle with the new lace ready drawn in your hand and if all's paid off clear of the rent and all that's due you'll get the new lace signed i'll promise you that upon the word and honour of a gentleman and there's no going beyond that you know sir so my boy came home as light as a feather and as gay as a lark to bring us the good news only he was afraid we might not make up the rent guineas and all and because he could not get paid for the work he done on account of the mistake in the overseer's tally i sold the cow to a neighbour dog cheap but needs must as they say when old nick drives said the widow smiling well still it was but paper we got for the cow then that must be gold before the agent would take or touch it so i was layin out to sell the dresser and had taken the plates and cups and little things off it and my boy was liftin it out with andy the carpenter that was agreein for it when in comes grace all rosy and out of breath it's a wonder i minded her run out and not missed her mother says she here's the gold for you don't be stirrin your dresser and where's your gown and cloak grace says i but i beg your pardon sir maybe i'm tirin you lord colambre encouraged her to go on where's your gown and cloak grace says i gone says she the cloak was too warm and heavy and i don't doubt mother but it was that helped to make me faint this morning and as to the gown sure i've a very nice one here that you spun for me yourself mother and that i prize above all the gowns ever came out of a loom and that brian said become me to his fancy above any gown ever he see me wear and what could i wish for more now i'd a mind to scold her for going to sell the gown unknownst to me but i don't know how it was i couldn't scold her just then so kissed her and brian the same and that was what no man ever did before and she had a mind to be angry with him but could not nor ought not says i 
for he's as good as your husband now grace and no man can part ye's now says i puttin their hands together well i never saw her look so pretty nor was there not a happier boy that minute on god's earth than my son nor a happier mother than myself and i thanked god that had given them to me and down they both fell on their knees for my blessin little worth as it was and my heart's blessin they had and i laid my hands upon them it's the priest you must get to do this for you to-morrow says i and brian just held up the ring to show me all was ready on his part but could not speak then there's no america any more said grace low to me and her heart was on her lips but the colour came and went and i was afeard she'd have swooned again but not for sorrow so i carried her off well if she was not my own but she is not my own born so i may say it there never was a better girl nor more kind-hearted nor generous never thinkin anything she could do or give too much for them she loved and anything at all would do for herself the sweetest natured and tempered both and always was from this high the bond that held all together and joy of the house just like her namesake cried lord colambre please your honour is not it late said lord colambre stretching himself and gaping i've walked a great way to-day the old woman lighted his rushlight showed him to his red check bed and wished him a very good night not without some slight sentiment of displeasure at his gaping thus at the panegyric on her darling grace before she left the room however her short-lived resentment vanished upon his saying that he hoped with her permission to be present at the wedding of the young couple early in the morning brian went to the priest to ask his reverence when it would be convenient to marry him and whilst he was gone mr dennis garraghty came to the cottage to receive the rent and possession the rent was ready in gold and counted into his hand no occasion for a receipt for a new lace is a receipt in full for everything very well sir said the widow i know nothing of law you know best whatever you direct for you are actin as a friend to us now my son got the attorney to draw the pair of new laces yesterday and here they are ready all to sign in mr dennis said his brother must settle that part of the business and that they must carry them up to the castle but first give me the possession then as he instructed her she gave up the key of the door to him and a bit of the thatch of the house and he raked out the fire and said every living creature must go out it's only form of law said he and must my lodger get up and turn out sir said she he must turn out to be sure not a livin soul must be left in it or it's no legal possession properly who is your lodger on lord colambre's appearing mr dennis showed some surprise and said i thought you were lodgin at brannigan's are not you the man who spoke to me at his house about the gold mines no sir he never lodged at brannigan's said the widow yes sir i am the person who spoke to you about the gold mines at brannigan's but i did not like to lodge well no matter where you liked to lodge you must walk out of this lodging now if you please my good friend 
so mr dennis pushed his lordship out by the shoulders repeating as the widow turned back and looked with some surprise and alarm only for form's sake only for form's sake and then locking the door took the key and put it into his pocket the widow held out her hand for it the form's gone through now sir is not it be pleased to let us in again when the new lease is signed i'll give you possession again but not till then for that's the law so make away with you to the castle and mind added he winking slyly mind you take sealin money with you and something to buy gloves oh where will i find all that said the widow i have it mother don't fret said grace i have it the price of what i can want so let us go off to the castle without delay brian will meet us on the road you know they set off for clonbrony castle lord colambre accompanying them brian met them on the road father tom is ready dear mother bring her in and he'll marry us i'm not my own man till she's mine who knows what may happen who knows that's true said the widow better go to the castle first said grace and keep the priest waitin you can't use his reverence so said brian so she let him lead her into the priest's house and she did not make any of the awkward draggings back or ridiculous scenes of grimace sometimes exhibited on these occasions but blushing rosy red yet with more self-possession than could have been expected from her timid nature she gave her hand to the man she loved and listened with attentive devotion to the holy ceremony ah thought lord colambre whilst he congratulated the bride shall i ever be as happy as these poor people are at this moment he longed to make them some little present but all he could venture at this moment was to pay the priest's dues the priest positively refused to take anything they are the best couple in my parish said he and i'll take nothing sir from you a stranger and my guest now come what will i'm a match for it no trouble can touch me said brian oh don't be braggin said the widow whatever trouble god sends he has given one now will help to bear it and sure i may be thankful said grace such good hearts must be happy shall be happy said lord colambre oh you're very kind said the widow smiling and i wouldn't doubt you if you had the power i hope then the agent will give you encouragement about them mines that we may keep you among us i am determined to settle among you warm-hearted generous people cried lord colambre whether the agent gives me encouragement or not added he it was a long walk to clonbrony castle the old woman as she said herself would not have been able for it but for a lift given to her by a friendly carman whom they met on the road with an empty car this carman was finnikin who dissipated lord colambre's fears of meeting and being recognized by mrs raffarty for he in answer to the question of who is at the castle replied mrs raffarty will be in it afore night but she's on the road still there's none but old nick in it yet and he's more of a nagger than ever for think that he would not pay me a farthin for the carriage of his sister's boxes and bandboxes down if you're going to have any dealings with him god grant ye a safe deliverance 
amen said the widow and her son and daughter lord colambre's attention was now engaged by the view of the castle and park of clonbrony he had not seen it since he was six years old some faint reminiscence from his childhood made him feel or fancy that he knew the place it was a fine castle spacious park but all about it from the broken piers at the great entrance to the messy gravel and loose steps at the hall door had an air of desertion and melancholy walks overgrown shrubberies wild plantations run up into bare poles fine trees cut down and lying on the gravel in lots to be sold a hill that had been covered with an oak wood in which in his childhood our hero used to play and which he called the black forest was gone nothing to be seen but the white stumps of the trees for it had been freshly cut down to make up the last remittances and how it went when sold but no matter said finnikin it's all alike it's the back way into the yard i'll take you i suppose and such a yard but it's no matter repeated lord colambre to himself it's all alike in the kitchen a great dinner was dressing for mr garraghty's friends who were to make merry with him when the business of the day was over where's the keys of the cellar till i get out the claret for after dinner says one and the wine for the cook sure there's venison cries another venison that's the way my lord's dear goes says a third laughing ay sure and very proper when he's not here to eat em keep your nose out of the kitchen young man if you please said the agent's cook shutting the door in lord colambre's face there's the way to the office if you've money to pay up the back stairs no up the grand staircase they must mr garraghty ordered said the footman because the office is damp for him and it's not there he'll see anybody to-day but in my lady's dressing-room so up the grand staircase they went and through the magnificent apartments hung with pictures of great value spoiling with damp then isn't it a pity to see them there's my lady and all spoilin said the widow lord colambre stopped before a portrait of miss nugent shamefully damaged cried he pass on or let me pass if you please said one of the tenants and don't be stoppin the doorway i have business more nor you with the agent said the surveyor where is he in the presence chamber replied another where should the viceroy be but in the presence chamber there was a full levy and fine smell of greatcoats oh would you put your hats on the silk cushions said the widow to some men in the doorway who were throwing off their greasy hats on a damask sofa why not where else if the lady was in it you wouldn't said she sighing no to be sure i wouldn't great news would i make no differ in the presence of old nick and my lady said he in irish have i no sense or manners good woman think ye added he as he shook the ink out of his pen on the wilton carpet when he had finished signing his name to a paper on his knee you may wait long before you get to the speech of the great man said another who was working his way through numbers they continued pushing forward till they came within sight of mr nicholas garraghty seated in state and a worse countenance 
or a more perfect picture of an insolent petty tyrant in office lord colambre had never beheld we forbear all further detail of this levy it's all the same as lord colambre repeated to himself on every fresh instance of roguery or oppression to which he was witness and having completely made up his mind on the subject he sat down quietly in the background waiting till it should come to the widow's turn to be dealt with for he was now interested only to see how she would be treated the room gradually thinned mr dennis garraghty came in and sat down at the table to help his brother to count the heaps of gold oh mr dennis i'm glad to see you as kind as your promise meeting me here said the widow o'neill walking up to him i'm sure you'll speak a good word for me here's the laces who will i offer this to said she holding the glove money and sealing money for i'm strange and ashamed oh don't be ashamed there's no strangeness in bringin money or takin it said mr nicholas garraghty holding out his hand is this the proper compliment i hope so sir your honour knows best very well slipping it into his private purse now what's your business the laces to sign the rent's all paid up leases why woman is the possession given up it was place your honour and mr dennis has the key of our little place in his pocket then i hope he'll keep it there your little place it's no longer yours i've promised it to the surveyor you don't think i'm such a fool as to renew to you at this rent mr dennis named the rent but anything your honour places anything at all that we can pay oh it's out of the question put it out of your head no rent you can offer would do for i've promised it to the surveyor sir mr dennis knows my lord gave us his promise in writing of a renewal on the back of the old lace produce it here's the lace but the promise is rubbed out nonsense coming to me with a promise that's rubbed out who will listen to that in a court of justice do you think i don't know please your honour but this i'm sure of my lord and miss nugent though but a child at the time god bless her who was by when my lord wrote it with his pencil will remember it miss nugent what can she know of business what has she to do with the management of my lord clondroni's estate pray management no sir do you wish to get miss nugent turned out of the house oh god forbid how could that be very easily if you set about to make her meddle and witness in what my lord does not choose well then i'll never mention miss nugent's name in it at all if it was ever so with me but be pleased sir to write over to my lord and ask him i'm sure he'll remember it write to my lord about such a trifle trouble him about such nonsense i'd be sorry to trouble him then take it on my word and believe me sir for i would not tell a lie nor cheat rich or poor if in my power for the whole estate nor the whole world for there's an eye above can't nonsense take those leases off the table i never will sign them walk off you canting hag it's an imposition i will never sign them you will then sir cried brian growing red with indignation for the law shall make you so it shall and you'd as good have been civil to my mother whatever you did for i'll stand by her while i've life and i know she has right and shall have law 
i saw the memorandum written before ever it went into your hands sir whatever became of it after and will swear to it too swear away my good friend much your swearin will avail in your own case in a court of justice continued old nick and against a gentleman of my brother's established character and property said st dennis what's your mother's character against a gentleman's like his character take care how you go to that anyway sir cried brian grace put her hand before his mouth to stop him grace dear i must speak if i die for it sure it's for my mother said the young man struggling forward while his mother held him back i must speak oh he's ruined i see it said grace putting her hand before her eyes and he won't mind me go on let him go on pray young woman said mr garraghty pale with anger and fear his lips quivering i shall be happy to take down his words write them and may all the world read it and welcome his mother and wife stopped his mouth by force write you dennis said mr garraghty giving the pen to his brother for his hand shook so he could not form a letter write the very words and at the top pointing after warnin with malice prepense write then mother grace let me cried brian speaking in a smothered voice as their hands were over his mouth write then that if you'd either of you a character like my mother you might defy the world and your word would be as good as your oath oath mind that dennis said mr garraghty oh sir sir won't you stop him cried grace turning suddenly to lord colambre oh dear dear if you haven't lost your feelin for us cried the widow let him speak said lord colambre in a tone of authority let the voice of truth be heard truth cried st dennis and dropped the pen and who the devil are you sir said old nick lord colambre i protest exclaimed a female voice and mrs rafferty at this instant appeared at the open door lord colambre repeated all present in different tones my lord i beg pardon continued mrs rafferty advancing as if her legs were tied had i known you was down here i would not have presumed i'd better retire for i see you're busy you'd best for your mad sister said st dennis pushing her back and we are busy go to your room and keep quiet if you can first madam said lord colambre going between her and the door let me beg that you will consider yourself as at home in this house whilst any circumstances make it desirable to you the hospitality you showed me you cannot think that i now forget oh my lord you're too good how few too kind kinder than my own and bursting into tears she escaped out of the room lord colambre returned to the party round the table who were in various attitudes of astonishment and with faces of fear horror hope joy doubt distress continued his lordship however incurred if not by vice will always find a refuge in this house i speak in my father's name for i know i speak his sentiments but never more shall vice said he darting such a look at the brother agents as they felt to the backbone never more shall vice shall fraud enter here 
he paused and there was a momentary silence there spoke the true thing and the rail gentleman my own heart's satisfied said brian folding his arms and standing erect then so is mine said grace taking breath with a deep sigh the widow advancing put on her spectacles and looking up close at lord colambre's face then it's a wonder i didn't know the family likeness lord colambre now recollecting that he still wore the old greatcoat threw it off oh bless him then now i'd know him anywhere i'm willing to die now for we'll all be happy my lord since it is so my lord may i ask you said mr garraghty now sufficiently recovered to be able to articulate but scarcely to express his ideas if what your lordship hinted just now i hinted nothing sir i spoke plainly i beg pardon my lord said old nick respecting voice was levelled at me because if it was my lord trying to stand erect let me tell your lordship if i could think it was if it did not hit you sir no matter at whom it was levelled and let me ask my lord if i may presume whether in what you suggested by the word fraud your lordship had any particular meaning said st dennis a very particular meaning sir feel in your pocket for the key of this widow's house and deliver it to her oh if that's all the meaning with all the pleasure in life i never meant to detain it longer than till the leases were signed said st dennis and i'm ready to sign the leases this minute said the brother do it sir this minute i have read them i will be answerable to my father oh as to that my lord i have power to sign for your father he signed the leases they were duly witnessed by lord colambre i deliver this as my act and deed said mr garraghty my lord continued he you see at the first word from you and had i known sooner the interest you took in the family there would have been no difficulty for i'd make it a principle to oblige you my lord oblige me said lord colambre with disdain but when gentlemen and noblemen travel incognito and lodge in cabins added st dennis with a satanic smile glancing his eye on grace they have good reasons no doubt do not judge my heart by your own sir said lord colambre coolly no two things in nature can i trust be more different my purpose in travelling incognito has been fully answered i was determined to see and judge how my father's estates were managed and i have seen compared and judged i have seen the difference between the clonbrony and the colambre property and i shall represent what i have seen to my father as to that my lord if we are to come to that but i trust your lordship will suffer me to explain these matters go about your business my good friends you have all you want and my lord after dinner when you are cool i hope i shall be able to make you sensible that things have been represented to your lordship in a mistaken light and i flatter myself i shall convince you i have not only always acted the part of a friend to the family but am particularly willing to conciliate your lordship's good will said he sweeping the rouleaus of gold into a bag any accommodation in my power at any time i want no accommodation sir were i starving i would accept of none from you 
never can you conciliate my good will for you can never deserve it if that be the case my lord i must conduct myself accordingly but it's fair to warn you before you make any representation to my lord clonbrony that if he should think of changing his agent there are accounts to be settled between us that may be a consideration no sir no consideration my father shall never be the slave of such a paltry consideration oh very well my lord you know best if you choose to make an assumpsit i'm sure i shall not object to the security your lordship will be of age soon i know i'm sure i'm satisfied but added he with a malicious smile i rather apprehend you don't know what you undertake i only premise that the balance of accounts between us is not what can properly be called a paltry consideration on that point perhaps sir you and i may differ very well my lord you will follow your own principles if it suits your convenience whether it does or not sir i shall abide by my principles dennis the letters to the post when do you go to england my lord immediately sir said lord colambre his lordship saw new leases from his father to mr dennis garraghty lying on the table unsigned immediately repeated messrs nicholas and dennis with an air of dismay nicholas got up looked out of the window and whispered something to his brother who instantly left the room lord colambre saw the post-chaise at the door which had brought mrs raffarty to the castle and larry standing beside it his lordship instantly threw up the sash and holding between his finger and thumb a six-shilling piece cried larry my friend let me have the horses you shall have em your honour said larry mr dennis garraghty appeared below speaking in a magisterial tone larry my brother must have the horses he can't please your honour they're engaged half a crown a crown half a guinea said mr dennis garraghty raising his voice as he increased his proffered bribe to each offer larry replied you can't please your honour they're engaged and looking up to the window at lord colambre he said as soon as they have eaten their oats you shall have em no other horses were to be had the agent was in consternation lord colambre ordered that larry should have some dinner and whilst the postillion was eating and the horses finishing their oats his lordship wrote the following letter to his father which to prevent all possibility of accident he determined to put with his own hand into the post-office at clonbrony as he passed through the town my dear father i hope to be with you in a few days lest anything should detain me on the road i write this to make an earnest request to you that you will not sign any papers or transact any farther business with messrs nicholas or dennis garraghty before you see your affectionate son colambre the horses came out larry sent word he was ready and lord colambre having first eaten a slice of his own venison ran down to the carriage followed by the thanks and blessings of the widow her son and daughter who could hardly make their way after him to the chaise door so great was the crowd which had gathered on the report of his lordship's arrival long life to your honour long life to your lordship echoed on all sides 
just come and goin are you good-bye to you all good people then good-bye is the only word we wouldn't wish to hear from your honour for the sake of both landlord and tenant i must leave you now my good friends but i hope to return to you at some future time god bless you and speed you and a safe journey to your honour and a happy return to us and soon cried a multitude of voices lord colambre stopped at the chaise door and beckoned to the widow o'neill before whom others had pressed an opening was made for her instantly there that was the very way his father stood with his feet on the steps and mess nugent was in it lord colambre forgot what he was going to say with some difficulty recollected this pocket-book said he which your son restored to me i intend it for your daughter don't keep it as your son kept it for me without opening it let what is within side added he as he got into the carriage replace the cloak and gown and let all things necessary for a bride be bought for the bride that has all things to borrow has surely mickle to do shut the door and drive on blessings be with you cried the widow and god give you grace End of chapter 12